yes, welcome to What the Football. It's the international break, so we thought we too would take a break from the normal schedule to bring you some other content and interviews that we wouldn't normally be able to fit in. Today we'll go from one side of the world to the other to focus on Manchester United's troubled start to the season and get diverse opinions from two diehard Man United fans. But first, some of the best stuff of the show happens at the beginning or end of the show when we are still recording. So we'll start off with the continuation of last week's Arsenal-Liverpool discussion that we played a little bit of after the outro last week and got a lot of interested and amused feedback. So sit back, relax, listen and enjoy. Goodness me. Good show. (laughs) I'm going to edit out your yawn right at the end. (laughs) Sorry, the bloody thing wasn't finished. Try to hold yeah. it on. I'll tell you what, I still was watching the... There were numerous um, penalties in that Arsenal game that could have easily been given by VAR. There was right a lot there. of fouls in general. Just a lot of niggling and pulling of shirts everywhere across the whole bloody pitch. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, who you guys got up next? I think we've got a reasonable run now. We've had a Liverpool and Tottenham. I think we, we're good for about the next four or five weeks. I'm not sure. Um, I think we've got it. Yeah. City will be lurking on the horizon at some stage, but yeah, we are, pro- we are probably where we you'd expect us to be given a fixture. Oh, uh-huh. Pat, you want to know who you play next? Watford. <laughs> you play Watford next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ironic if Watford come back and beat Arsenal? Oh, no. <laughs> Mate, yeah. you have set yourself up for disaster with your comments. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to figure out how to replay a clip. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to figure that out. <laughs> oh, that's going to be fun. Actually, you guys have got United as well. Not that that means anything. So, so we've got Watford, Villa, Villa, and then United. United. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I so mean, you're there, three well, mid-table clubs. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was what I was trying to say earlier was, I mean, when was the last time that I know we've drawn with Tottenham recently, but normally it's more they're, they're the better team and we're trying to hang on and we're trying to get get a goal in the break. It was the opposite. Now, I mean, we were just dominating that game and they were they were reduced to trying to hit us on the counter attack which is a good strategy against us because we leave so much room in our between our defense and our midfield for them to do that but but gee we we just just for the fact that we've turned those tails just the fact that we're, we're dominating against a team like Tottenham now it's a good sign but isn't it fair to say that I mean one thing I've always known about Arsenal at the Emirates it's you know we're aside from maybe Aside from maybe Man City or Liverpool coming there, you guys all you guys do not get beaten at the Emirates. Yeah, I mean, but there's also that cutting edge that we haven't had, and yeah, we only scored two goals, but we had 26 shots on goal, mm. um, and and sometimes that's that's misleading because it you can have all these long shots which are never going to trouble the keeper anyway, and and they they add up to the shots, but these were actually legitimate good opportunities like from inside the box where Pepe's blazing over the bar and um, shots which on any other day could actually go in once we, we, we start getting a bit of confidence in those strikers. and um, So you know, normally we'd be passing sideways, having 
seventy percent of the position, but but basically hardly generating a chance. Yeah, I'm telling you, once Pepe scores one, he's on for young. He's Cole. definitely got a lot of potential, jokes aside. He's got some crazy pace, that kid. <laughs> I, I just love. I, I watch that that clip again of him putting Jordan Henderson on his ass. When, <laughs> you, you, you know that one con when the, the the ball came over and Pep, Pepe was was running through and Henderson came running across from defensive midfield to block him and he's just done this little little trick with the feet, just yeah. slid the ball from his left foot backwards to his right foot and Henderson's just gone <laughs> over to <laughs> and just left him sitting on his ass. I mean, and, and, and then he went one on one with the keeper and then but he passed it straight Stuffed to it up. Adrian. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones who, when he gets a bit more composed, he's more relaxed and settled. He'll just be nailing them. Yeah, you know what actually struck me about that, that where the chance against Liverpool is how left-footed he is because he tried to get back onto his left foot when it might have been easier to go with his right in the bottom corner, which is probably what gave Adrian the chance to save the thing in the first place. Yeah, really His body was all wrong. Yeah, yeah, to shoot with the... So, I, yeah. I was hoping he'd actually step over and try and just round Adrian. Cause yeah. Because Adrian would have done something dumb. He wouldn't be able to stop him. No, he wouldn't have. Yeah. Is he, is he, so he's a, he's, he's a, he is a left footed player. Right? Oh, he is an out and out left footed player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what's the story with Ozil? Is he, is he gone? Where <laughs> is he? He's on the bench, I don't know, I but I just, one of my, one of my mates just messaged me and said, um, Mkhitaryan's off to Roma, which I am over the moon about. Oh, yeah. Jeez. My God, we what we lost something when Lacazette went off to Mickey. Yeah. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah, so Ozil, I, it's hard to see where he fits in now because I don't think he can play with that intensity that Arsenal played with today. And if mm. you put him on and he's, he's the one not harassing, not chasing, not tackling, then suddenly that that's a weak link in your team, and that's why Emery sort of has got a bit of a love-hate relationship, or a hate-hate love relationship, because yeah. he, 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 he's reluctant to play him, isn't he? I don't blame him. He's always bloody injured or got an illness of some sort anyway. I've always said, Pat, Ozil is one of those players where in a good team, he is in a, in a team that's thriving and, and, and his quality, he's a good player. But in a team where you got a knuckle down and a bit of grit, he's a he's a liability. So yeah, I just he's a cherry ask, on the top. He is a hundred percent. That that's the correct description. That's exactly what he is. So he won't fit in this current Arsenal team. Yeah, and now, now who, who would you get rid of to to actually put him in? I mean, Cisabellos is coming on in that sort of playmaking role and and looking much more lively. Um, you've got you've got Willock who didn't even get a run. Who I think. He, he's probably the one, Liam, that maybe if you play, didn't, maybe if you didn't play Torreira or didn't play Xhaka and you put Willock in there to play as, as that third midfielder. That, that, I would have been like, I, I would have been more happy. Yeah, I, I could, uh, me too. But I, I do, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think he was too wrong. Yes. Yeah, he's the one who's played the first three games. Okay. Very good player. And, and then, yeah, but, but, but Ozil, I mean, geez, he could still unlock defences. I mean, if he, if he came on instead of Ceballos, he might have, he might have, uh, done some good stuff considering the possession he had at that stage. But, do you think, he, do you think he'd be happy playing a, um, a substitute role? 
<laughs> he seems happy getting paid a lot of money to post Fortnite videos. <laughs> is that what he's doing currently? Is it? Yeah, he's got apparently got this Fortnite channel and he's up all night just playing Fortnite. Jeez, no, that sounds like a guy that just doesn't care. Yeah, bloody hell. Take his couple of hundred thousand. Yeah, get paid. Don't have to turn up. Don't have to put any effort yeah. in and get my money. I'm over the moon about Mkhitaryan going to Roma, though. He is an absolute waste of money. He, I'm not sure why he got subbed on. I thought he, he probably could have brought Reese Nelson on this morning. Oh, yeah. That would have been nice. You know, I'll ask a question. Maybe it's even a WTF, but would he be one of the worst? I mean, he's played at Man United and Arsenal and done literally nothing at both of those clubs. <laughs> with, and he came with huge... Hype. Uh, hype, yeah, that's the word. Hype and this and that. And I remember we were in for him and I'm like, I didn't even know anything about him. But I was like, yeah, we, we should get him. <laughs> Thank goodness we didn't. What an absolute dud. He just didn't he settle into life. He, he, was, he was really good at Dortmund with um, Aubameyang there. He just, yeah. The link-up play there was good, but just he hasn't really continued that form anywhere else but Dortmund. Yeah, sometimes the perils of the English league is just too much. We'll leave it there with Con's words of wisdom echoing in our ears, as well as the dishes that Liam decided to wash midway through that conversation. And let's get to Manchester United with the first of the interviews I recorded just the other day. Today I wanted to welcome back one of our original members of the show, all the way over in South Africa, a Manchester United correspondent, the infamous Daniel Haswell. Welcome back, Dan. Yeah, welcome back, mate. <laughs> so tell me, you're very busy over there, unable to be on the show every week. Can you let the listeners into what's keeping you so busy? Like, where are you right now and what are you doing? Yeah, well, I heard the the podcast has been struggling, so good of you guys to make a, a great time <laughs> just before the transfer window closes. <laughs> very clever. You do a lot of coaching in South Africa, don't you, mate? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that's right. I'm coaching at uh, high school level here, and also have an academy that we that we run based out of here. So hopefully, we'll see you potentially putting up your hand for the Man United job soon, because it seems anyone can get that. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> With very limited <laughs> experience, it, it doesn't take much, mate. Um, sure. Yeah. So we are hoping to. Well, we're recording this so it can go on our international break special edition of the podcast. Now, I know you're a big supporter of an inter- early international break. Yeah, th- this is my problem with the whole international scene is that it doesn't make, it doesn't seem to make any sense for the players and it doesn't mean to, seem to make any sense for coaches. It doesn't seem to make sense for sponsors or the fans. So I, I just think it's an, it's an outdated, format that they use uh, I'm not sure why they just don't complete your regular your regular club season and then have a block at the end of the season where you've got your international games I think that would add to the continuity it would add to the the spectacle uh, and I think there's a lot of a lot of pros and, and rather doing it that way than you have this sort of international game every every couple of months. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It, it breaks the continuity. I mean, it feels like we are just getting a bit of momentum into the season. Everyone's jumping on board, getting excited. Then we what? We stop after four weeks. Sure. It is crazy. Sure. 
Yeah, well, I'm even saying it. I'm even looking at it from, from the national team's point of view. If you had your block of fixtures, that's something you can plan for. You don't have to worry about players. Are they going to pitch up and whatever? Uh, I just think, yeah, I just think it would it would work it would work better for a lot of reasons as I outlined. Yeah, and you wouldn't have the injury risks as much because it's end of season, as you said. So if someone picks up a hammy, it's not going to affect the club who's paying their wages. They'll they'll be back for the pre-season next year. So it's got a lot of merit, yeah, right? Mate. Yeah, right. Of course, you might have a guy who's who's got injured during the season, but it's, it's the same thing now. I mean, now you have players withdrawing and the club's putting pressure on their own medical teams to come up for a reason why the player can't play, which you would also take that out of the out of the equation. Brilliant. Hey, so, you know what, I reckon your old sparring partner, Con, agrees wholeheartedly with you. He was saying a similar thing about hating this international break. So you you and Con, is it fair to say you've got a bit of a love-hate relationship? You don't always see eye to eye, Dan? You don't mind winding yeah. each other up a little bit. <laughs> no, that's what that's what it's all about, eh? Con, Con loves me, but I only like him, so it's kind of awkward. <laughs> well, he's he was excited to hear you doing this interview, and he would love to hear. He sent through a few questions. He said he would love to hear your views on the state of your club, Manchester United. Yeah. Well, how long have we got? <laughs> yeah, especially I think. In terms of in terms of the United team, I think the the break also comes at an awkward time. I think it's always awkward when you you haven't won the game before the international break because now you obviously have have that break. Uh, you're going into it not in a great run of form. The the manager doesn't actually have his players with him until late in the next week to prepare for the next game. So so that can be that can be a tricky scenario to manage. Um, in terms of overall for United, I've been saying it for for a while now. You'll probably you'll probably bear me out that it's there's got to be a long term term plan in in place, um, and they've and they've got to and they've got to stick to that vision. Otherwise, they're going to keep on chopping and changing managers, making wholesale changes to the team, um, and I just don't see that as as the way forward. If if you want to to build a successful side. Yeah, in the last podcast, we actually spoke about how long will Manchester United be patient with Ole if he if he gets yeah. to mid-season and you're in the bottom half, struggling a bit, will they have the patience to stick with him and execute whatever plan? And also, can you actually identify the long-term plan that they are moving towards at the moment? What are your thoughts on those two items? Yeah, well, I think evidence of of the long term plan is there. He's obviously Solskjaer's obviously started the clear out. Um, he hasn't moved on Sanchez and Smalling and that permanently, but there's, they're clearly not part of the plans, and he's he's obviously made that clear to them. Um, it's it's obviously a problem in your squad when you've got high paying senior members that can't can't make the starting eleven. And they're not producing. Um, on the on the other hand, the squad is is very thin at the moment. But he's shown his willingness to to back the the, the younger players coming through, and I think that's something that should be should be applauded and rewarded with some patience as well. 
patience, of course, being something that's in very short supply these days when supporters want a team to win 4-0 and 5-0 every game, it seems. Um, so I think those are those are the starting steps to to him to him uh, starting his his reign, uh, and I think it's got to be at least uh, a three year a three season minimum period before we can before we can really expect this team to be to be playing at a level where they're challenging the top teams. So it sounds like you've got the patience. Will the Manchester United board have the patience if you finish tenth, eleventh, twelfth this year? Well, I, would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have them finishing tenth or somewhere there. But who knows? What, who's, who knows what the Manchester United board thinks, and who knows who actually makes the footballing decisions? Are the football people involved in the making of those decisions? It doesn't seem to be, um, and they seem to listen to a lot of other interests. And I think that's that's actually at the, at the root of the problem. Um, so whether the board has the patience or not. I'm not sure, but uh, they they've got to back him in the next next few transfer windows. I think United came out of the period of the the Mourinho era era where it was a it was a very short term policy, and United a section of United fans seemed to like it. Suddenly there were big name signings, and whether or not the style of play was was terrible, but United fans pointed at I don't know some sort of success. Um, but I'd look at it at the other way, as I said, let's 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 give Solskjaer three seasons, get his coaching staff sorted out, get his uh, he, he's got to bring in a whole new culture to that team. And that's and that's obviously gonna take and that's obviously gonna take time. It's gonna take transfer windows, it's gonna take young players being being brought through to the side. And, and do you believe he's the right manager to be doing this? Or would you have preferred to have seen a more experienced, proven manager to take them through this period of regrowth? Uh, yeah, it's, that's a good question and, and a very difficult one. Again, only only time will tell. And, and that's why I say he's got to be given the time and the resources to 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 prove himself. United have had... Extremely experienced, successful managers. Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho. You don't get more experienced and successful than those guys. And they, and they struggled. So it's obviously, it's, it's a massive job. Um, and now, as I say, they've, they've gone through that period. They've decided now that this is, uh, the way they should be going. And then they, then they should have, have faith and belief in it and, and, and let him implement his ideas. Well, here's hoping, mate, they have the patience. Now, now it's quite difficult to be on the podcast with Con at the moment. These are, these are arrogant Liverpool supporters. I mean, yeah. they, they still haven't won anything in England, but, but, but they think that they think they're the uh, biggest club in the world at the moment. Now, to take a listen to this, I think Con sent a bit of a barb your way in the last podcast, Dan. So t- take a listen to, to this clip and I want to get your reaction. I think what's going to come back to haunt all these United fans, and I think of all the mockery I've had to endure over all those years, but it's nice to see that they try to recall history these days when it comes to talking about their team, because the reality is this current United team is not anywhere near competing at the top of the table. 
So, Dan, bit of a barb. Have you been recalling history in your chats with Con lately, trying to deflect the current situation? Yeah, as, as usual, nobody knows what the heck he's going on, and he's just and he's just rambling on incoherently. <laughs> so that's that standard discourse coming from the con man. Um, and he, his favourite pastime is talking about Man United. So I'm, I don't even know which team he supports these days. <laughs> but in all fairness, you know, fair, fair play to Liverpool. Klopp's built a great side there. He's been given time to do it. Um, as I've said before. He benefited from following on from a, a manager in Brendan Rodgers that had a very similar philosophy and style of play, which I think uh, he brought into the Liverpool side and Klopp was able to take that on. Uh, and he's made great additions to his backroom, his backroom staff. So there's, there's no arguments that Liverpool and Man City are the top two teams in the league. That's, that's, that's not what the, the conversation is about, really. I think the final question, before I let you go, because I know, I know you, you need to get back to your coaching, Dan. Um, is there anything special or different that has caught your eye so far this season in the English Premier League? Or do you have any predictions for us that might surprise us? What's, what's become clear, though, is that before we had used to really be the fixtures against the top six fixtures against each other, that really sort of determined the outcome of that little mini league being those top six teams. Now it's become really crucial if you drop points to teams outside of the top six uh, that can that can really affect whether you're going to not even challenge for the title or, or play in the top four. Uh, and if you look at something like like Man City started it, Liverpool have got into it now. They they are they are ensuring that they pick up maximum points against. Uh, teams outside the top six. But if you look at the likes of United, Liverpool, Chelsea, they are dropping points with, with draws and the odd loss against, against teams. Your Everton, Southamptons, West Ham's, Wolves, um, and Man City and Liverpool are not doing that. So that's really where I see the major difference, uh, coming in. Whether one of those teams can, uh, can finish in the top six, uh, I think it's too early, too early to call that, but they're definitely getting getting closer, and there's got to be a period of rebuilding for the likes of United, Arsenal, Chelsea. Yeah, well, well as you didn't put Arsenal in that bracket of teams dropping points yet outside the top six because they've won both their games, so I was waiting to jump on that one. Do you, do you see anything different about Arsenal? Have you been at all impressed, or you think it's going to be same old Arsenal this year? Same old Arsenal. They look, of course, they've got fantastic pace in attack. But my goodness me, when they lose the ball on that defensive transition, it's just not even sure how they how they even trying to defend it. <laughs> are they are they pressing? Are they dropping back? I can't even I can't even tell. Um, the goalkeeper has doesn't give much hope for confidence either. So I think really in terms of Arsenal, that's that's where their issues like. Uh, and as I as I go, as I come back to it again, United, Arsenal, Chelsea in the big six games. Of course, they can be competitive. They get up for those games, but you've got to have a consistent style of play, um, and you've got to have a a one hundred percent one hundred percent belief in it if you're going to 
going to have a great season in terms of beating those teams that are just outside that are that are potential banana skins. Awesome, Ben. Really appreciate getting your insight, mate. And we will be checking yeah. back in with you during the season to see how it all pans out. Yes, that was Dan, who we all know as a stoic Manchester United supporter who will almost always go out of his way to defend his club. The person that I'm going to interview now is actually well known for being the opposite, somewhat emotional, somewhat volatile. So let's see what his answers are when faced with the same questions. Here we go. And the next person I want to talk to is all the way back here in Melbourne. I want to talk to another Manchester United supporter to give us a different take on things is Monu. How are you, Monu? Good. How are you? Very well, thanks, mate. Hey, give us a a quick 30 seconds about yourself. So I um, I started following uh, football, as you call it, uh, probably about three or four years ago, but I've been a massive uh, Manchester United fan all the way from Eric Cantona days, I guess. Um, I love the kick in the face that he gives. So he goes to one of the fans. Um, yeah, that's how I feel like uh, about Manchester United right about now, too. As a kick in the face type of thing? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, well, so we're four rounds into the EPL. How are you seeing it unfolding at the moment, then? Oh, look, I think pretty much as as everyone else sees it, I think there's two teams that are clearly out and above everyone else, and... Um, then there's so that, the rest. That, that, that's Arsenal and. Oh, I think I think you find it's probably uh, probably Manchester City and Liverpool. I think, oh, okay. and then yep. and then there's probably two teams that are behind that, and I think that's one of them is Arsenal, and I think the other one is Tottenham. On early form, I think uh, the the both those teams are probably third and fourth. It's a perfect opportunity for you guys as uh, Arsenal because Chelsea's probably got this season. They're not going to be great, and uh, yeah. Chances are, chances are there for you guys, and I think there's, there's a whole bunch of teams after that um, who are who are who are pushing and trying to get there. I think Manchester's one of them. Interesting. I was just going to ask. So you're putting Manchester United in that bunch of teams pushing for the top six now. I think you're going to going to be calling it. And so a lot yep. of people are forecasting a bit of doom and gloom, including our friend Roy Keane. Um, yep. And uh, they're expecting them to fall back into the pack and, and maybe almost mid-table for the next few years as they reinvigorate and restock. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's what's going to happen. I think uh, they don't really know what they want to do at the moment, I don't think. And, and I'm, this is an outsider's view. I don't, who knows what they're actually thinking. And there might be a plan, but I don't really see a plan at the moment. And uh, it's, uh, many, many people have... Uh, I've read a little bit about it and many people are putting it like Liverpool... Five or six years ago, before they were, before Klopp came and, and everything else. So, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a few years of doom and gloom until they figure out what they want. I mean, the, they're not willing to put the money in. I don't think at the moment, and I think a big part of that was not making Champions League last year. And I think until they put the money in, they're going to have to buy themselves out of this, and it, it it's it's not going to be pretty until they do. Yeah, you mentioned the chasing pack. Um... Who do you think are the main teams that are chasing or, or trying to get ahead of Man United? Look, do you I think, think Man, a, Man United can stay ahead of them? I think Man United can still stay ahead of them, but at the same time, I mean, you never know what Wolverhampton are going to do. That they, they, they seem to be pushing every year. You've got Everton who, who won the in the off season, so they're pushing them. I and albeit they haven't done been great at the moment, but they'll they'll be pushing. Um, I think there's a, probably a couple of others as well um, that that'll be pushing up there. But I think they'll give 
you, you saw the last two weeks Manchester United playing against mm-hmm. Southampton and especially Southampton. I mean, they they were like a team that was playing against Southampton and was at the equal level, um, and it's concerning. And where do you see them finishing then? I think I think sixth is sixth is probably right. Sixth or seventh. Um, I think those top four are set. I think uh, based on them, I mean they have to pick up points. This is the problem. They have to they have to scrounge out wins at the moment, and they're not they're not able to do that when the other team parked the bus. So I think uh, yeah, I think fifth sixth is is probably right. Um, seventh if it's a really bad year. Okay, and if they finish fifth, sixth, or seventh, are you expecting the board to continue on rebuilding with Ole? Look, to be honest, I don't know if Ole's the problem right now. I think I think he's 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 done a good job in terms of clearing out a lot of players that clearly we didn't want, uh, the board didn't want, and Ole didn't want. So he's done a good job there. Uh, there's probably he hasn't bought well. I mean, uh, yes, Maguire's goodbye, Juan Bissaka's goodbye, and and Daniel James is clearly doing well, but. I see. I see our team in a little bit of like a lifesaver at the moment. There's no one in the middle of the park. I mean, Pogba gets Pogba, Pogba gets swamped when we play the the lesser sides uh, who who defend on him, and then you've got the likes of McTominay and Pereira and and well, Fred hasn't played a game yet. But these guys to create, and it's they're not able to create for Martial and Rashford, who are still. I mean, I think they're trying hard. I, I just think I think Rashford's trying a little bit too hard. Martial's injured now, but I think Martial's probably been one of the standouts for us. His movement off the ball and everything else has been great. But you know, I just, I just without without the depth that we used to have, we, we're struggling. I think, and we will struggle for the rest of the season. It's a long season. And, and Martial should be back after <coughs> international yeah. break. Are you expecting him to be the main striker again with Rashford on, on the wing? I think he's better. I think he's better down the middle um, than than Rashford at the moment. I think his hold-up plays better than Rashford, and I think Rashford's... I know, this is my take on it. He's a bit of a one-trick pony at the moment, so if the ball's out in the open field and he's chasing it, he's great. But um, with his back to goal, I don't know if he's all that great. And I think yeah, Marshall's better with that. Marshall definitely is stronger, isn't he? And, and I, I always feel Marshall is a lot more clinical when he gets opportunities up. Yeah, absolutely. I've got much more absolutely. confidence in him. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the point. We've got to replace Lukaku, who scored, I mean, albeit for everyone who hated him, he scored 20-odd 20, 20 goals last season, didn't he? Right, so we've got to replace opportunities, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so Manu, um you mentioned a few things about Manchester United then, which were raised by Con, and yeah. you seem to you seem to be agreeing with them. And now, I, 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 now what, word on the street is you're becoming, Sonny, become Con's number one fan, and, he, and from where so, you started... Oh look, me and Con haven't always seen seen together, but that was more when it was a more positive era for us. I think he was spot on last week. I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I think he was spot on last week with what he said about Manchester United in the podcast. I, I can't believe I'm saying that though. And he's a Liverpool <laughs> fan, so that that makes it even worse, you know. And how do you see Liverpool going this year? Do you think they can win? I think Liverpool would be fine. I I still think, I personally think Man City's still the team to beat. I think they've just got so much depth and they just continue to just roll out players who, you know, Jesus is, is back this year and he hasn't played a game and they've just got everything, everyone covered. It, you know, there's multiple players that can play the position. They've got the rotation system going. De Bruyne is almost a new signing for them. He's he's awesome at the moment. Yeah, he's um, killing it. Sterling, I mean, everything. Everything's going great for them and 
you know, they've, they've got a system that they all play and they all just drop into. Uh, Bernardo Silva's been great. You know, one silver goes off, the other silver comes on. It, it's just, it, it all just works. It's it, like a well-oiled machine. I think Liverpool have got a little bit to go in terms of getting to that level. Um, you can see there's, there's a few cracks starting the show with Mane and and Salah not sort of uh, seeing eye to eye and a few things. I'm sure that happens at every club. Like it's on a, a thing, but you know, Salah should have surely have passed the ball a couple of times last week. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think it's a big deal either, as much as I read from it trying to make Con believe it is, but he's not buying it either. <laughs> I've got to hold on to something. <laughs> so, as I said, before Rand's in, is there anything different or special that's caught your eye this season? I, I, I think the thing that gets me about world football at the moment is that the EPL seems to be the place to be. Uh, I think the Spanish teams are, are struggling a little bit, and I think... Uh, you know, um, you look at the look at the you know we've got the European champions, both European champions in in the in the Premier League at the moment, and I think all the other teams are pushing really hard. I think it's the strongest competition in the world, and I think players are starting to see that. And more and more players will see wanting to come over here. It'd be interesting to see what happens it happens in the, the January transfer window. It's traditionally been a quiet time, but I think it's going to be with all these clubs with all this money. I think it's going to be a, a different time this year. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, we've had the two Champions League finalists in the Premier League and the two Europa League finalists in the Premier League. Yeah, so correct. that's a pretty compelling argument to make. Mm. Now, I don't okay. think that's, I mean, not special, but at the same time, I mean, Real Madrid, PSG have bought lots of players over the last year and they just haven't worked. So I think uh, that, that, um, yeah, the manager makes all the difference, I think. And you think that the top managers are coming to the EPL, which is causing the difference? I think so. And I think the players want to play for those managers. And that's where, again, this is a point where United's going to struggle. I don't think you're going to get a player that's sitting at Real Madrid or, or sitting at PSG or sitting at Juventus wanting to play for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because he doesn't know who he is. From the point of view of you know, being a world-class manager, I think that's, going to, that's where Man United are going to struggle. Yeah, that's a that's a big point, which we did did discuss a little bit in last mm. week's episode. Um, yeah, one, one of the the reasons I was happy that Arsenal went for Emery instead of like an Arteta or some unproven manager who's got a lot of potential was that pulling power and and because Emery Emery had worked with the PSG with Neymar and and uh, Mbappe etc cetera, etc cetera. and so. So yeah, I, I I hope that he had the pulling power when he came to Arsenal to bring a few players along with him, either from Spain or from France. And and he, I think he's shown that already. He's he's brought players along, which we were possibly at risk of losing to Tottenham, like like Saliba, the centre back, um, and also uh, and, and also a big one, Pepe, who we who could have gone to three or four different clubs, and he chose Arsenal. So I I think you're right. I don't see. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer having that same pulling power to say, oh, you can either go play for Pep or Emery or or Klopp, but come to me and play for me at Man United. I think I think that's a bit of a worry. It's it's also a worry for. I mean, if you think about, it, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Lampard at Chelsea if he's able to draw. I mean, they're similar. I draw similar conclusions to both players. I mean, Lampard obviously the more successful player than mm. than Ole, arguably, uh, or the better player than Ole, but. He's, he's a club legend. Uh, will he be able to draw players that aren't necessarily EPL fans or don't know about what he's achieved in the Premier League? Um, and, and the other option, the other thing for Man United, if they were to get rid of 
old Gunner Soul Show, who's out there? No one. I don't know that anyone's out there. It's better. We've tried Mourinho. We've tried Van Gaal. We've tried all these these guys. So um, I'm not sure where to from here if this doesn't work. That's a good point. It's a really interesting era for both United and Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea's used to buying their way to titles, and mm. now they're somewhat forced to, but also with the manager choice, they've chosen a path of uh, long-term build. And we're get, it'll be interesting to see how long they go with that. So that's a complete change in direction. And then Manchester United... well-known. Um, we have been over the last six years, but they're well-known for changing their managers quite regularly. Yeah, they are. So, And they, how, do you, how do you stack a club legend? That is difficult, but I'm sure Roman Abramovich won't have well, too many issues. <laughs> it's not a problem for him, but I guess the backlash from the fans. I mean, everyone's quite happy with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and they're blaming the board at the moment. But, but I don't see any... I mean, everyone talks about playing youth. We've seen Greenwood for, what, five, ten minutes each game. We haven't seen um, uh, the midfielder. I forget his name off the top of my head at the moment. But we haven't seen him play yet. Um, Fred's still on the bench. So, yeah, he's playing some youth. Um, hasn't got a lot of depth. But I would have thought by this stage... If, I mean, I understand. I think I think one of the things in, um, that he's probably doing is giving the players that he's got five games and letting them play without the fear of being dropped, which is good, I think. But you know, you keep losing the the Southamptons of the world, and the, um, and we've got some hard games coming up. We've got Leicester coming up, and and yeah, it's, they're not easy games. None, none of them are easy games at the moment. And everyone parks the bus. We struggle to create chances anyway. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. So have you got Leicester next week, do you? And then Arsenal, is it? Leicester the week next after? week, I think. And I think it'd be a real test of where we're at against Arsenal, I think, at the moment. Uh, Leicester's a big up-and-coming team too, so don't take them lightly. And they've, they've fought well in the summer as well, right? Oh, yeah. They've done, they've done arguably better than us. I mean, if we probably need three midfielders at the moment, and we, we haven't got them. Mm. Well, you traded away a couple of them. Yeah, oh, well, that's not on the court. I think that was probably because of... I think I think the big thing has been getting rid of Sanchez. I mean, as much as he was fantastic at, at Arsenal, he clearly didn't mimic that form here. And um, he, he just struggled to settle in. Um, and because of the huge salary, I think that's upset the whole dressing room. And probably that's probably led to Herrera leaving, to be honest. And he's been a big loss because he's combative in that midfield and we don't really have any other combative midfielders. What happens if you finish 10th, 11th, 12th this year? It's your final question. Well, oh, well, what if, happens? I think they will... If if, if we finish 10th, 11th, 12th, and there is no, I guess, response from the players or the manager, I think you have to sack the manager. I, I don't think you can sit back, um, especially if the players don't respond to him. And he's got no, he, he's got no answers, right? He can't do it, everything himself. The problem is the next person that comes in will inherit a team doesn't care and will, again, be in the position that they're in. So you, you, you're starting to perpetuate this cycle of just mediocrity. Um, so I think it's, you're better off keeping the manager and saying, you've got two years um, and here's $100 million and see what you can do. But even that, who knows what the Glazers are doing with the money. We've, we've got money. We we roll over, I think, 500 million a year. I, I don't know where that money goes. It's clearly into their pockets or, or whatever it's doing. It's not coming into transfers. They don't seem to care about um, the, the the winning on the pitch. So if we finish 10th, 11th, 12th, I mean, that, that'll be a real drop for Manchester United. And if, 
the board don't this this thing we play this thing they play is about winning it's not about money um they need to understand that and on the pitch is more important than how many shirts you sell but they seem to be worried about shirts at the moment Interesting stuff, Manu. So you're tipping United, finish outside the top four, and Ole to be sacked if they finish 10th or below. You've heard I, it first think, yeah. here. You've heard it, it first here on What the Football. So, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure Sanjay and, and everyone else will turn on me very quickly. Uh, well, we get Sanjay on soon, and uh, and we'll see what he has to say. But uh, been a delight to have you on the show, mate, and don't be a stranger. Keep, keep uh, sending in your feedback, and we'll have you on later, eh? Cheers, mate. Thank you very much, and, and keep doing the good work you're doing. Awesome, mate. Take care. See ya. Give Con my best. And that brings us to the end of our international break. Break. I hope you've enjoyed the change-up. Leave us some feedback and follow us on Twitter at WT underscore football and on Facebook at WT Football Podcast. We'll be back to normal next week with our usual formula of analysis and frivolity as the Premier League returns. Can't wait. See you then. Football. Football. Football.